Hello, everybody, and welcome to the French Grand Prix review for the Winging It Formula One podcast. And I mean, we're a bit in a bit of disbelief here because we had a good race. We had a good French Grand Prix. What? You're not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be the boring race where we speak for an hour now about how much we hate France for Formula One and how much Formula One <laughs> needs to change and how much is wrong and how everything is bad and how much we can't see anything because of the haze on our eyes from those stripes are so annoying but anyway we're not going to do that because we had a good race didn't we guys i'm freddie coat and i'm going to introduce you to my co-formula one podcast presenters i have got adam dickinson <laughs> adam say hello hello and we've got nigel chu as well nigel say goodbye goodbye <laughs> there we go i've got little minions little puppets this is great we're going to have a great time today um right so let's get to it what were your guys' opinions of the French Grand Prix? Nigel, you can go first because I made you say goodbye. Just prove you're actually here. <laughs> uh, yeah, brilliant introduction, first of all. But what a fantastic oh, race. I would, you know, I, I would go as far as saying it's, it's been the best, it was the race of the year or F1 race of the year. I, I absolutely loved it. The intensity, the tenseness of the battle between Mercedes and Red Bull. They were pushing nearly all race. Hamilton basically had no tyres left. It came down to uh, one and a half laps to go. It was just fantastic. And uh, strategically, it was as good as it gets as well, I think. So, yeah, for me, I think it was a race of the year. And this year has been bonkers already. So I'm just kind of trying to lap it all up, really, I guess. Would you say it was kind of similar to the Bahrain Grand Prix? Because that's what it reminded yeah. me of a lot, except it was kind of ended, ended the other way, that Verstappen was <laughs> able to get the move done on Hamilton and win the race and get fastest lap and pole position. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, it felt very similar to that, I thought. Um, yeah, again, a, a fantastic race and probably the most unexpected race of the year. We've had Monaco's being brilliant and now France has been brilliant so I don't Monaco, know whether we're going to like... <laughs> maybe not brilliant but it was good it was good, good. It was good. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah yeah give it a good um so I don't know whether this means we'll have two stinkers at the um Austria double header but we'll have to see <laughs> but no I, I agree with whatnot mm, I don't know whether I put it as my race of the year um but you know, I, I good races that's the thing isn't it mm-hmm. like, yeah definitely for me, the bit when the two Mercedes were following Verstappen, they were all, all within like one half seconds of 10, 15 laps. And then we had the battle with Verstappen chasing out chasing and down. I think that's what kind of made it for me. Yeah, I know what you, I know what both of you mean with that. And I, I'll pick up on what you said there, Adam, about it, about it being, being like Bahrain. I could have tweeted out after I had seen the race saying, yeah, I thought this was like what Bahrain... Should have, should have been, if you look at sort of the grid for Bahrain and the predicted strategies for Bahrain, if Perez hadn't had to start from the pit lane, if Bottas hadn't had a long pit stop, which put him out of the way for Verstappen's close at the end of the way, at the end of the race, Bahrain really should have been Verstappen passing both Mercedes with 10 laps to go for the win on fresher tyres. And that's what this was. And it, if you look at everything, it was essentially a carbon copy of Bahrain. It was brilliant. And we came into this right into the season going, Oh my goodness, how can we get better than that? That was one of the best season openers. And like you say, Nigel, it's carried on throughout the year. And every race has had fantastic moments. There's been a few stints that have been a bit not great. Um, but there's been that's been what a tire stint, which just hasn't been good. But then the rest of it's been exceptional viewing. And I think the, the chances of two sinkers at Austria are um quite low um, based on that track. I mean, we have had bad races there before, we, we, but... We thought the um, chances of um, having a good race or a brilliant race or the race of the season at, um, for Ricard was quite low based off the track, so... It shows what a title fight can do. And yeah. speaking of that, um, we nearly had a swing in the title fight. We kind of... has It's kind of been the status yeah. quo over the past two races. Christian Horner said on the eve of the race to Sky Sports. He said, if we can win here, we can win anywhere. That's been touted a lot everywhere. Bahrain, Portugal, after Spain. Didn't win, but they exactly. could have won, Christine. but now they have won here in a good way. So, um, I'll ask Adam what he thinks, because clearly they should win every race. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that'll be my prediction for the rest of the season. No, I think it's it, there's been two very sliding doors moments in the championship over the last two races. Obviously, um, Verstappen's crash and then Hamilton uh, outbreaking himself or you know pressing the magic button or whatever. Um, that you know was a potentially big swing that didn't happen again here at Paul Ricard. It felt like a very close race that in the end Red Bull got their strategy spot on and Mercedes couldn't do anything. They were kind of snookered, um, or were they? We'll get onto that later, I imagine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it feels like the momentum is firmly with Verstappen, which going you know three races on from or two races on, no, three races on from our Monaco preview where, um, Nigel was saying, you know, this is the, this could be, you know, the, the title decider or this could, yeah, it could, I, I, I don't want to kind of put words in mouth because I can't remember exactly what the, the phrase was. was a bit of a corner. You know, it, it, it could be like if, if Verstappen doesn't win here, the title could be over. And now it's yeah. completely the other way that um, Verstappen seems to have all the momentum. Mercedes seem a bit of sixes and sevens. There's a bit of infighting there as well. So it's, there's just so, so much of a momentum change from the first few races of the season. It now seems to be like ages since Hamilton was on top. Yeah, I, I think I still think Monaco was key because Hamilton had such yeah, a I'd bad agree. race and the point swing. But I think this was a key race in terms of ultimate raw pace. Uh, I thought it would be a Mercedes track. I think most people did because of what we talked about in the preview, the characteristics of Paul Ricard. So for Red Bull to win on merit, even though personally I don't think they had the quickest car in the race, I think uh, Verstappen nailed it and they kind of outfoxed Mercedes with, with the strategy, which we might talk about later. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a huge moment that they could at least compete with Mercedes and then to beat them was just the cherry on top on top of the, uh, on top of the cake. I can't say that phrase. I, uh, I think so, without, yeah. without like having seen any of the lap timing or anything it kind of felt like Red Bull did have the pace advantage in the race I they did because the I, way I, Hamilton and Bottas were on Verstappen's tail if, if Hamilton didn't if Mercedes you know didn't mess up their strategy and Hamilton uh, was first after the first set of pit stops I think he would have pulled away and would have had a four or five second lead see but, but you say that you say that mm. but um, in the first stint when Verstappen had made his mistake which it was actually you know the worst moment for him of the race and probably one of his worst moments of the season, mistake-wise, I think. Um, He was able to stick with Lewis and he was able to stay within a second and a half there and Bottas a second and a half back. It was Bottas who was jogged back. Verstappen had the pace there in hand and look at Perez. After Perez was always going to go slow in the first stint and conserve his tyres and go long. They already had planned that. And when, after a few laps of him conserving and then pushing a bit more, he was then matching their pace for the whole thing. So I think Rebel do have have the pace. It, it looks like through the practice sessions and through all the qualifying sessions, definitely Verstappen had the measure by half a second of the Mercedes cars, I think. On the softer tyres, yes. I know there's I know there's softer advantage for Red Bull. Um, but they can heat up the, the hard tyres better than Mercedes anyway. So they've got that kind of I think they've got that strategic joker that Mercedes don't have with the way they can run the car on the tyres. And I think, to be honest, they're pretty level on pace. I think we need to stop thinking about can Mercedes be beaten and start thinking about um, this is two teams at the top of Formula 1. I still think Mercedes have a, a slight, and we're talking a tenth or two tenths per lap, but I think Mercedes have a slight pace advantage in the race. And I think for Hamilton to be able to be right on the back of Verstappen for lap after lap and then still only be one and a half laps away from winning the race despite being on hard tyres for what, 34, 35 laps on a track that rained before high tyre deg- de- degradation. I think Mercedes have a slight edge over Red Bull in the race with tyre wear and pace. So I, I really do think for Verstappen to win on without having the fastest car was a massive thing. I think any time that... A team doesn't win when they have the best car. Is it, they, they've kind of dropped the ball? I think. Well, I think well, that comes on to. Of, um, I was just going to say that will kind of dictate the way we approach this because I think I certainly don't think Mercedes had the fastest car, and it sounds like Freddie's kind of um, thinks it. Was I think they're level pegging. Well, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we, we can come on to that. See, yeah, let's go on to it because I 
I'm of the opinion, based on more based on the, the, the street races we just had, that the Red Bull is a much better car based on its adaptability in comparison to the Mercedes car. And the fact that you can put it, um, it's, it's essentially a plug-in and play car, whereas the Mercedes car needs to be nurtured in a way on these tracks. And even on these tracks, which are, you know, the Mercedes tracks, because it's a traditional racetrack, um, hooray. Because, like, there's still, Rebel can still just get the pace there. And they can go to Monaco and they can get the pace and go to Baku and they can do it wherever. Click, click, click again. But Mercedes are having to sort of, you know, drag that car to the pace. And I think that's all credit to Mercedes as a team for being able to do that. But Rebel have got the better car, in my opinion, really, thinking about it. Now I, I, think, I, put it, now I voice it out because of all of those characteristics. I think so too, but I don't think they did on Sunday because I think if Hamilton was ahead after the first pit stop, I think he would have ran away with it. I don't, I a, don't he, see how Verstappen would have. But he was gone. ahead after the first corner or the first exactly. couple of corners and he didn't yeah, run but away Mercedes with it. Mercedes completely messed up with a strategy. Completely. But if he, yeah, if he ran away and he'd been like been five seconds ahead of Verstappen yeah, when he pitted or ten seconds ahead, then if he pulled away, no way... the, if he pulled away yeah. from Verstappen in the second stint anyway, he wouldn't have any tyres left. So mm. nothing would have. That wouldn't. I don't think that would have been a good strategy call anyway. But I've, if you look how close he got to winning the race with a bad strategy, with with uh, not having trap position after the first pit stop, I think it suggests that. Mercedes do have. I think Red Bull could have only won the way they did. I don't think they could have won the race any other way. I think if it, if the Red Bull had committed for Stappen to a one stop, they would have won the race then anyway. I agree. Because he had to push because Hamilton Bottas had the pace, which was quite clear to me. But they, I think. yeah, they but they were pushing as well, push. which is why they didn't win the race. They didn't. It's yes, not like they had. They, to, they were pushing. It's not like, it's nearly... not like Mercedes forced for Stappen to push. Forced him to have a pit stop, and then Mercedes could then waltz on. I think they, they did. They, I think they did. They didn't. They lost they, the race. They they, they never got they forced... close enough. There was never an overtake that move. Makes sense there. that, mate. There was never. Have I forgotten? Like, I was there an overtake or ever no, a chance wasn't. that? Yeah, that's. What I I kind of. I think it forced wasn't him to push though. Yeah, but yeah, so but were Mercedes. Mer- I think Mercedes were like pushing, which forced. Off. Force Verstappen to push, but then Hamilton can never get alongside Verstappen. He can never get, you know, close enough to create a real overtaking manoeuvre or yeah, chance. Bottas, yeah, Bottas is drop off within, proves that. Bottas' drop off proves within, the amount of pushing that they were having to do themselves. Because mm. the way he dropped off from, yeah, Hamilton's, you know, a cold case because he's fantastic. But Bottas has that slight touch to tie wear that Hamilton doesn't have. And that forced him to be way off come later on like by the time they were making those pit stops rebel made that pit stop they had a 3.3 second advantage in hand anyway to mercedes to hamilton and about a seven second advantage to bottas when max happened made his second stop that's not by being forced to push really that's because the mercedes aren't on his tail there that's them basically yeah. pushing the hand of mercedes and mercedes having to hold back to then react to Red Bull's pace. Surely. No, because they couldn't go at that pace all race. So that's that's what I think Mercedes and Hamilton and Bottas, they forced Verstappen to push straight after the pits, which forced Verstappen to go onto a two-stop because there's no way Red Bull had the pace to maintain that No, speed. Mercedes had that pace. That's the point. Mm. Well, they nearly Mer- did. They, were only they didn't, half lap short. <laughs> Hamilton, Hamilton wasn't was keeping up. Best with like five, six laps to go, which was outrageous. It was outrageous that he was I, able to do that, but that's Hamilton. This is Hamilton. They've got it's better different. tire. They've got better race pace. I think. I really Mercedes do. don't. If Mercedes did, Bottas would have got a podium. Bottas mm. didn't. If Mercedes did, I, if Bottas beat Perez and was a bit more of a thorn on the side of Verstappen, I'll be, I'll be giving you some. You, you, you told Walter. I, I think we're gonna have to disagree. I, well, I, I, don't think, you hold I think Mercedes have got a slight pace advantage but in I, the race. I think, Just like Red Bull has a slight advantage in qualifying. But I, I think, think. Like it come, for me, again, it, it comes down to the first stint that if Hamilton had been, you know, had a pace advantage, he would have been able to get away from Verstappen and it wouldn't have mattered that Verstappen was ahead of... Or Verstappen wouldn't have had a chance to 
um, get ahead of him for the second stint because Verstappen he would have been able to pull back I mean, two, it went to 2.8 seconds, I think, when Verstappen pitted, whereas after the pit stops, Hamilton was all over him. Verstappen could never do that at any point in the first stint. Well, yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> yeah. It's, anyway. it's interesting. It's, it's, an interesting yeah. it's an interesting debate. And, you know, clear air comes into this kind of thing a lot. And like you say, if we, we won't know anything about um, that being hap- that happening because of um, the point where Mercedes did drop the ball strategically. I know you were saying, Adam, it being snookered. And I think at the end of the race, the, mm. the, the sort of the, the closure on the pit stop, the second stop for the Rebel was that kind of thing. But it's a definite mistake to have been undercut um, by Verstappen based on the fact that they forced that undercut with Bottas. So just to recap, Bottas was pitted, um, then Verstappen was pitted, and then Hamilton was pitted, and Verstappen's outlap was so cracking that he was able to take the lead um, into turn one from Lewis Hamilton with his hotter tyres, meaning he was able, because of the Mercedes warm-up being a little bit little bit bad. And I think the Red Bull just had such a fantastic warm-up of his tyres in that outlap, and it took, it took Mercedes by surprise, yes, but you would have thought they would have pitted um, Hamilton on the same lap that they pitted, that Verstappen was pitted based on when Bottas was pitted, but they were confident in that little gap that Nigel spoke about um, and clearly were lulled to a false sense of security by their own tyre warm-up woes with Bottas's outlap. So do we think Mercedes should have pitted Hamilton a lap earlier? Do we think they did the right thing in trying to have a slightly shorter stint for the final um, stint because of the second stint of the race for Mercedes. Because, I mean, if they pitted Hamilton one lap earlier and Verstappen had been ahead, then and the whole thing had played out like that, then he would have been caught much earlier based on the tie wear, I think. Um, that one lap probably made all the difference for it being lap 52 for Verstappen to overtake, not lap 49 or something, really. Um, but well, no, he, he, he would have been ahead, you know, wouldn't it? Hamilton yeah. would have been ahead. I think I'm going to think if they pitted on the same lap, that. do we think they would have been? Because if a stay, yeah, because he, he was ahead, <laughs> yeah, no, unless Mercedes massively screwed at their pit stop, I think he would have been. I, I, okay, I, cool. I think I, I am agreeing with Nigel here that he's, yeah, mm. I think he he dropped the ball or they dropped the ball there, and yeah, that's that's probably the defining moment of the race that he he stayed out. Verstappen was able to go out and get an absolutely stonking outlap, which yeah. is you know, there's, there's probably other adjectives that you can use, but it was just superlative in the way he closed down that gap so much and mm. Hamilton just wasn't able to match that and I think yeah if you if you switch it round like Nodra said it was a decent size gap it was a few seconds when he went into pit so yeah I think that was definitely a mistake from Mercedes mm. I mean I, I can't remember a time when the undercut has been that big I'm probably having to think back to the, what China or something five or six years ago with yeah. different tyres different cars and stuff so I was surprised that it came out flag. yeah exactly so yeah I was surprised that it came out neck and neck basically and 2.8 seconds is so much but the warning signs were there because I think Leclerc uh, in the Ferrari he set purple sectors on his outlap a few laps before so there were signs and I think it's the third race in a row where Mercedes haven't quite been on it strategically. In Monaco with Hamilton, they got it wrong. And in Baku, they lost the lead, dropped a third. And they lost the win here for me. Uh, so I think there's going to be some head scratching, I think. In Mercedes' defence, that un- that gap was big. And like you yeah. say, the undercut not being that big. And I think it's hard to say that this is a big strategic blunder in the way that I think Monaco was. Um, and I think Baku, to an example, was pretty similar to this because he pitted from the lead and ended up third in Baku um, with Hamilton. So I think with this one, it's difficult because, like you say, Leclerc was setting purple sectors, but that Ferrari eats its tyres for breakfast. It can't help but warm up its tyres, and that's why the Ferrari had such, Ferrari had such a bad race. We think we'll get onto it, but it's just like they don't have any opportunity, any option apart from destroying tyres in that car in the Ferrari. So like, it's a bit of a hard one to kind of use as an example, I would, have, I would think, if I were Mercedes. I, I think it's a big mistake in terms of the consequence of it. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's maybe not 
yeah, it's not the worst kind of blunder that they could have done. They didn't put him like on another set of soft tyres or something, or but like I don't know, put him on wet. Um, that would have yeah, been interesting. But, but like I think in in terms in terms of um, a blunder that cost the race win and well, I think anyway, cost the race win and gave it to their big championship rivals. Then you know I don't think you can kind of get. Um, get mistakes in in terms of consequence that have much bigger effect than that. So, yeah, like it, it's, I think it's probably on par with some some of the ones you mentioned there, Freddie. I think maybe Baku, I don't think it was so bad because I don't think I think Verstappen was quicker anyway there. And I think you know there's kind of less variables, or it felt kind of more inevitable that Verstappen would come out in the lead at some point. Um, by his crash obviously but here it does feel like a race that Mercedes were on top of and would have been set in the context of Monaco and Baku would have been a great um, opportunity to bring back momentum in the championship fight and they've kind of passed that up after Verstappen had made a mistake as well I know I've been talking for a while but I just want to touch on that because it was it's the second race in a row in a row that Verstappen's made a key mistake that's cost him the lead of the race and Mercedes Uh, haven't punished him for it well okay yeah not a mistake but he's had had an issue. It's, yeah, it's, something it's, outside of his control has cost him the lead of the race, and Mercedes haven't been able to capitalise on it either time. Yes. Yes. It, <laughs> yes. Yes, there's been an issue for Red Bull that Mercedes haven't capitalised on. Yes, I see your point. Um, it's, 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 it's very true that Mercedes needs to sort of pick up the ball, because like, it's been spoken about a lot. I've written things about this. We've all spoken about this. When Mercedes lose, they lose big. And like they, mm. they can't if, if there's if there's a mistake then they sort of it they 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 struggle to sort of recover from it and Mercedes you know they're they're all they're all running good from saving from the lead but it seems to be really difficult for them when there's that touch of pressure and um, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably talk about this um, but Adam you mentioned that um, there was a bit of a bit of you know frostiness in the Mercedes camp and you've got people more willing to speak their minds in a more tetchy and tense way than the no blame culture would have you believe is allowed in Mercedes so it's it's difficult they're definitely under the skin even Lewis Hamilton um even Paul DeResta got under Lewis Hamilton's skin because when Paul DeResta said something about oh um about Lewis Hamilton of Alcibiades changing chassis chassis I can't speak. Changing, changing chassis this weekend. Hamilton would have heard that when on like a replay or something um, when they written in the debrief and would have gone on. Went and said to Paul, "Oh, you said some lie about our chassis and stuff like that." So, even even minor pundits like Paul DeResta are getting into Hamilton's head now. So, there's a there's, minor pundit. If, if if Paul DeResta is a minor pundit, what are we? <laughs> <laughs> We're major Nothing. fans. Um, I, I remember doing um, uh, chemistry A level, and it was like there's the, in Paul the cell, Resta. in a in an atom. Sorry, there's um, protons and neutrons, and we did the weights of them, and they're one, like kind of mm. relatively, they're one. And there was electrons, and they're like one divided by eight hundred and seventy, or something like that, <laughs> one thousand. It's it's like absolutely neg- negligible amounts, and it feels like we are that we are that absolute tiny. Compared to Paul DeResta, who is a minor pundit, apparently, we are <laughs> we are just negligible compared to that. Yeah, I just had a check, and it's actually one over one thousand eight hundred and thirty-six. So that is we one thousand eight hundred thirty-six of us collectively as a podcast are worth one Paul DeResta, who is of course a minor pundit. Um, we but... need to cut out some members to try and like make it bigger, like the fraction. <laughs> I'm, I'm not cutting any members, mate. <laughs> I was, wanted to make a periodic table reference but my knowledge was not good enough probably should listen more anyway um yeah mo- moving on just, some, just something else on that reactivity um, series we, sorry carry on we are reactivitying to the race um yeah so, so just kind of following on though from the initial point of mercedes it was um bottas's radio around he's got i think it was uh, when Verstappen was coming up to him or passed him? He overtaken him. him, I think. Just Yeah, um, that he said, oh, why didn't... I told you a two-stop was the way to go. Why did no one listen to me? And yeah, it's, it doesn't does not seem to be a very happy culture there at Mercedes. At I the mean, moment. he was right. 
He was yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was right. And Toto Wolff said after on the radio. Sorry, Toto Wolff said after the race um, that he was really happy that Valtteri was finally speaking his mind <laughs> and not internalizing it. Because um, in the past, you know, look at 2018 where, and 2019, where he's kind of been soundly beaten and pummeled into the floor. And like Valtteri would sort of, like a drum. and Soundly a, beaten. Because he beat it and then it makes a sound. Yeah, he did make a sound. He's now a drum, in a way. Um, he's now being, still, he's still being beaten, but now he's making a sound about it. Um, <laughs> now being noisily beaten. Yeah, he, he, was like a, he, he was like a pillow, and now he's a drum. Um well, when you beat it, it doesn't make a sound. And now he beats him and he makes a sound. Um, but yeah, so back to the point. Total Wolf was happy that Valtteri's not... Freddy's pillows. Yeah. It's really oh, sad. That's a spin-off life. podcast. Freddy's pillows. That's like, they're like Ted's <laughs> notebook. Yeah, it's, um, it's like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you always have to have a towel with you. But just because you do, it's life. So it's like that with me, but with pillows. I always have to have a pillow. One of my favourite um, bed-related like, parts of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is where they say that like um, very little is made in the universe um, at that point because they pretty much found everything grows somewhere in the world. So they've got like um, a whole planet that just grows mattresses. And they're sentient mattresses that just walk around. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, total yeah. <laughs> Two quite large tangents there. The sentient Toto Wolf is very happy that the sentient Valtteri Bottas is no longer internalizing his despair and is voicing it out because it gets it off his chest and he doesn't just stand there being really upset about things and can carry on be, trying to improve rather than being in a slump in, in the corner of the garage on his own, um, trying to do mind games and grossly failing. Um, but yeah, I don't know with Valtteri. It's like, yeah, he was saying, but like, you know, the, the engineers are always going to have a better picture of the race. And at, at the end of the day, like Nigel says, it was lap 52 for Hamilton. And without him, I mean, Bottas didn't put up much of, much of a fight, but he still got in the way. That's another um, key thing. I, one lap of Bottas defending, mm. Hamilton could have won the race. And I, I don't think he needed to cover. He defended really early. I think if he stayed on a normal race line, Stafford would have had to make, would have had to have made a pretty big lunge, which I don't think he would have gone for. So I think Bottas has made a racecraft error by moving to the inside, putting himself out of position for the next straight, personally. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think the Mercedes cars kind of defended the wrong way round in that I thought I was surprised Hamilton didn't cover off the inside when Verstappen overtook him. I don't know whether he just thought the game was up at that point. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, I thought for Bottas, he, like you say, if he doesn't get passed on that straight or kind of, get the move started on that straight and obviously finished it on the next, uh, the long right-hand corner afterwards, that's at least half a lap, maybe another full lap before Verstappen has a chance to line up a pass on him. So I, yeah, I, I agree. I think that was really costly because then if it does go a lap ahead, then, you know, that's Verstappen maybe catching Hamilton say at the start of the last lap or kind of that. I, yeah. I think that was, that was a key thing as well that well yeah rather than gaining one second he might have lost one second that's yeah. a two second swing so it, and it's mm. those fine margins that in a brilliant race like we had mm. those fine margins are going wide which i think Hamilton might have done stappen's mistake at turn at, at the start it's these small things which are now proving to be crucial which is very exciting for us of course mm. uh, but it just shows the, the intensity of the battle mm. well that, i think also worth pointing out that verstappen did win by three seconds in the end so it did even in that one and a half laps that he was out ahead of hamilton he did yeah, like, well i guess you know, we don't know if hamilton would have backed off maybe yeah but uh, i don't know it felt like he had a big he did have a big advantage at the end so maybe. should we talk about some other drivers uh yeah i just got one final one final little thing to say about bottas and that's just like yes bottas was correct to make to say that radio message but Mercedes were correct to keep him out because of the protection to Hamilton. And I think for Bottas's, for Bottas's race, he was correct to say you should have put me on a two-stop. But, it, you know, it's the team game thing again that's let Valtteri down, unfortunately. Um, but who knows? He showed some very good pace this weekend. And um, he was, to be honest, bar one mistake where he did knock up his tyres in, in the first stint. Um, he was 
right on the back of Hamilton and Verstappen for the majority of the race. So hats off, Valtteri. I think that might have been... Keep that coming, mate. I think that might have been a mistake in hindsight because I think he was trying to prove a point by by always being in the fight for once, but then he completely killed his front tyres. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. Which which cost him way strong. He lost out to Perez as well. So he was kind of so up for it, wanted to prove that, yes, I'm just as good as these two brilliant drivers, but then it hurt him later on. So, Mm. yeah. Kind of. They wanted him there, though, didn't they? There was that radio yeah. message, which was, we're enjoying this Valtteri, because he was in the fight, and he was... He, yeah, he, it was... I think if, if it was Hamilton in second, maybe, and Valtteri could have been patched off to Perez in the first stint, but because it was an opportunity for it to become a 1-2 if he was the one getting past, then I think there's only one thing you can do, and that's go for the 1-2 um, in that situation, I'd say. Um, yeah. But yes, Adam, let's move on to other drivers. You really wanted to. <laughs> so why don't we talk about fifth and sixth place? McLaren drivers, Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo, um, basically turning around what from a Saturday was looking like not the best weekend for them, turning it around to being head of the midfield again and extending the lead of third place in the championship after two good weekends for Ferrari. Yeah, it was especially from Ricciardo. We said he needed to have a big weekend and he did. He was able to get into... Q3, admittedly only in 10th, but still. Um, and then I thought he had a brilliant start. He made a good move around Norris on the outside going into turn one. And it, I think he nearly took Leclerc as well. We kind of got alongside Leclerc or half alongside, but wasn't able to get that done. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought if I didn't do a winners and losers piece with this one, but if I had been, he would have been right up there. Um, and yeah, from McLaren as a whole, like you say, it's kind of been the Ferrari show over the past couple of weeks with the mm. podiums and the pole positions. But yeah, this is a good good showing from McLaren and going to, again, at Austria. I think they done decently over the last few races yeah, there from my memory yeah. of it. Um, so yeah, it kind of feels like it could be a bit of a McLaren triple header and great to see Ricardo doing better and hopefully he can continue that at Austria. Yeah, I thought Lando Norris was fantastic he went a bit longer on the first stint which gave him some slightly fresher tires uh for this for his second stint and he overtook quite a few cars he overtook McClure, Sainz, Gasly he overtook some uh drivers and drivers <coughs> started on the hards as well like the Alfa Romeo drivers as well so he made some great overtakes uh really showed his his talent in terms of racecraft there and I, yeah, I think McLaren, they seem to have great race pace, which is proving crucial in, in the midfield because you do start, if, if, if you don't have a good qualifying, you might have the option of starting on a different time if you're 11th or whatever. So, and it's more important to have better race pace, I think, in, in the midfield battle. So yeah, a great weekend for McLaren and it could be quite an important one considering how bad Ferrari were uh, on Sunday. Yeah, you're right. And it it works as a nice um, counterpoint to Ferrari is that how the McLaren really is really gentle on its tyres and fast at the same time. Whereas when the Ferrari's mm-hmm. fast, it's it's a beast to its tyres. So yeah, let's talk about Ferrari. Um, they qualified fifth and seventh, um, I want to say, with Science in fifth and Gasly seventh. Not Gasly, Leclerc yeah, seventh. Gasly, Gasly splits them. Yeah, Gasly fast forwarded them. five years. <laughs> oh, five years. You think Gasly's going to be in in a that can be a whole fun podcast there. Um, but yes, so Science was in 11th at the flag, um, eight seconds off the points, and the Claire was a lap down in 16th, um, behind Antonio Giovinazzi. Um, because Asti Alfa Romeo did quite a good long stop, long one stop strategy, and they did the Norris strategy, did Alfa Romeo, but um. Yeah, Ferrari eat their tyres up, um, had to pit very early and then were just outplayed by the the more strategically tyre-friendly-minded other teams alongside them, do we think? Yeah, I think they, they had a good start to the race. I can't... I, I think Leclerc got to sixth, possibly. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, they had a good start and... Then, yeah, like you say, they pitted early and I think lost out to Gasly and Ricardo and probably Norris as well um, <clears throat> there. And then I kind of forgot they existed for the rest of the race, going to be honest. I just kind of, I was too busy, too absorbed by the battle at the front 
um, and Ricardo and you know the kind of upper midfield and forgot about them existing being a team in F1 racing. What, what insight it, from Adam Dickinson there? I forgot they're a team in racing in F1. <laughs> The most yeah, successful maybe. team in F1 ever and the biggest one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like, they're out the I point, know what you mean, so. though. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they, they strategized themselves out of contention and just became innocuous by the end because they needed to, to get to the flag. They, otherwise, they would have been going at a snail's pace. They needed to go at, I don't know, a slightly quicker snail's pace. <laughs> but with because of their fresher tires on a racing snail's pace, wasn't there a film about a racing snail? Yeah, I'm like sure there was. Yeah, anyway, I can't remember it. Can't remember I think it. it was probably awful. We we did um at school at primary school, oh, we went oh. a spell, through a spell where we did a uh, snail racing where like but they weren't very fast, and then yeah, but better so on them. Four hour race. No, we like, oh, we, <laughs> we like had snails, and then we'd like go, and then they'd like, we wait a whole lunchtime, and they'd have got like over one brick, um, and then that'd be declared the winner. <laughs> oh, so it's parkour, it's like total wipeout, but for snails climbing over a brick, yeah, being moved near um, a brick by school kids, and then hope they'll climb over it. I don't know if that's kind of cruelty to animals now, or like, so I don't, I don't know, maybe. Maybe the snails loved it. Yeah, probably. Then they just went back to their lives with, you know, great, great stories to tell. Well, that snail now is Charles Leclerc in um, seventh, in sixteenth place, ahead of Kimi Raikkonen. Fair play, fair play, snail. Pessimism stakes. No, do them later. It's all pessimism stakes, considering Adam, you completely forgot about everyone in the race apart from the front three. So, I remember, uh, I remember, like some drivers. I just <laughs> didn't. It's just Ferrari that I particularly forgot about. I, I've been trying to work out what went wrong with Ferrari because they often hold positions back to back, and then just dropping so far back in the race. It was bizarre. I, the only thing I can think of is they've got some slightly different tire and uh, wing rules that they were that were introduced for, for the weekend, and perhaps well, Ferrari have been affected the most because of the way their car is but also they might have got the setup completely wrong which is which just exacerbated their pace perhaps well um color science said afterwards that um they their their tie was basically two times that of their competitors and yeah. charles leclerc said that they had like five or six laps they could actually use a bit of pace in the tire and then it was just nothing yeah, they were so, like four seconds slower at, at one point yeah, than the rivals, which is huge about it. Just crazy. Mm. Yeah, literally. It's just... It's, it's school week. It's Adam, has, Adam has a story about snails. <laughs> Wasn't there a film about a racing snail? <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, that's I'm the just, thing. They're, they're just, they just eat their tyres like there's no tomorrow. And mm. they've got to remember there is a tomorrow and it's actually in the next lap of the race they've got to get to. That's the thing. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah. the thing is, it's good in a way for one lap pace, and when it is cold, as we saw in Monaco and Baku, that they were able to qualify first. But if you're eating the tyres like that, that is just crazy. But but we've not really seen the tyre wear be that bad so far this year. So it, su- it suggests to me that they got the setup completely wrong. And I hope for them that it was a one-off because... It, it was a return to, to last year when they just went backwards mm. in the race. It was just utterly, utterly bizarre. Mm. And hopefully, yeah, for Ferrari's sake, it, it's a one-off because they cannot afford races like that. And I don't think both drivers did much too much wrong either. I thought they both drove well. They just had a car that ate its tyres for breakfast. And, and yeah. Sainz, Sainz was... He finished second at Monaco. Like it, and, yeah. you know, he was in the midfield battle for all of that. So it's not... It's not just that they do one lap and then implode. It is, you know, they've been strong in the season and they've got good race results, but it's just this weekend particularly. Um, and that they've just not been not been anywhere near that. And Baku, I think part of Baku might have been straights as well, that they just couldn't defend on the 85-mile-long um, straight. So but They could cool their tyres down on the straight. That's the thing. This track is a bit more relentless. When you look at it, yeah. I think it is very track-specific. With <clears throat> There's lots of high-speed corners. With high degradation in high-speed corners, the load going onto those tyres is unreal. So hopefully it is track-specific. I know we do have some tracks 
like Silverstone. And to be fair, Austria to an extent with some really high-speed corners there now, now the pace these cars go, and with it being quite an, a worn track surface since we first mm. went back there in 2014 now, they could be in for a bit of a rough few races till we get to someone like Hungary, really. Yeah, I mean, that's what I thought too, Freddie, initially. But then I remembered in Spain, they were pretty good. I think they were the best midfield team or joint um, best yeah. midfield team. And Spain is full of high-speed corners yeah. now and there's not many straights. That's a good point, that. Um, so, um, I, yeah. I'm, I, so I, th- I think they've just gone the wrong way with the setup somewhere. And it's just killed the tyres, I think. Mm. I think in Spain, they're probably helped by the fact that other, other cars were trying to be a bit brave with the tyres as well. Like in Spain, you had oh, yeah. the Alpines and a, few, and a few other cars just falling away with five laps to go. And they were probably flat as a touch there. But everyone else seemed to cotton onto that by this race. And they hadn't, I suppose you could say. But that's enough about Ferrari because we're going around in circles about their woes. Um, like, and I think like they are. In like every car, the really, in the race. And I think we should talk about Pierre Gasly because he's soundly doing fantastic. Can, can we touch on Perez first? So, uh, That's a good point, actually. We've not yes. actually talked about his race yet. We've, <laughs> got we've, we've, talked about him, yeah, we've, we've talked about him in relation <laughs> to... Um, who? The, Check the, who? The battle at the front between the two Mercedes and... Um, Bost, uh, sorry, Verstappen, but he did actually beat one of the Mercedes. And he quietly had a very good race and picked up another podium... Um, for Red Bull on, you know, pulled a good stint on his tyres. And yeah, I just think it's kind of, he's worth Super. a mention. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think his drive on Sunday was every bit as good as his race in Baku. I'd agree. Except, yeah, he didn't win, obviously. But I think in terms of the, the execution, I think he, he got it absolutely spot on. And it's exactly what Red Bull need. And with Perez being... Uh, within 10 seconds throughout the whole race or, or whatever it was, it didn't allow Mercedes to make the second pit stop because of Red Bull's straight line speeds. I think without if Perez wasn't there, Mercedes might have then gone on to a two-stop or tried something different. But because he was there, and with Red Bull's great, end, great straight line speed at, at, at the weekend, it forced Mercedes to go along. So Perez is doing exactly what Red Bull need. Overtaking Bottas later on was just something extra and took yeah. more points away mm-hmm. uh, from Mercedes as well. So he's doing a fantastic job as, as Sergio Perez. Yeah, and he was falling off. It felt like kind of the opposite of what you said, Nigel, about maybe Bottas's um, decision to try and stick with the mm. um, with the front three. I know in the first stint, kind of Perez was falling off and I think it was about the same gap from him to the to Bottas as it was from him behind to, I think, Ricardo at that stage. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, it was clever. He just, clever. Yeah, he just raced so smartly. And then we, we all know what he can do on his tyres. And, um, you know, he got the move done on Bottas at the end as well. So, but yeah, I think like you like you say, he's just, he's doing the job that Red Bull need him to. And that's kind of allowing Verstappen to do things and do his thing. And he's taking points off Mercedes mm. in the last few races. He's taken so many points off Mercedes. Yeah. He has done. And he's he's third in the championship. He's on eighty four points. Um, he's still only something like eight points ahead of Norris, but that says volumes about what Norris is doing this year. Um, but yeah, if you look at where Perez was a couple of rounds ago, and we were thinking, okay, where would he be? Is he all right? That kind of thing. And now, that I mean, he's, yeah, you know, there are people saying, oh, they should get Albon back. I mean, what nonsense! They was should that? have, to be fair. What absolute nonsense! Goodness, did you see the glint in his eye there? It was terrifying. <laughs> it was and, I mean, when I saw some of that, I'm like thinking, What are people thinking? It's been five races, man, like, and he's already been better anyway. What are they looking at? Just, <laughs> <laughs> how could people well, think well, Albon would do a better album? Would have done that, album no, but they, what you, what you they can't see next. What you can't see next to Nigel is the hole in his wall that he's <laughs> that he's been headbutting, not punching, headbutting. But like what what they should have done is put Kvyat in the car and then put Perez and Albon in the Alpha Tauri, and then they could have got the comparison there and then put one of them in the uh, in the Red Bull. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, just on the, on the serious kind of note to that, the last year and then kind of start of this year, I was thinking Bottas uh, could be or Red Bull could be a great landing spot for Bottas because he's kind of proven number two driver and um, you know could go there and do a job if. It kind of, I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about this more in the Austria preview, but if he's not needed at Mercedes anymore, but 
at the moment, he, you know, I wouldn't take him. I'd keep Perez every day of the week based off what we've seen yeah. so far. And that's just that's just the job he's done, especially over the last two races. He's, he's really been a difference maker. Mm. That's precisely it. He's made a difference. You're right. And Nigel, you compared it to Barcelona and he has made a difference in Barcelona. Um, and now he's made a difference in France. So good on you, Checo. And I want to see more from him because well, I'm not, a big not Barcelona. Fan. Not, not Barcelona. He didn't make a difference in Barcelona. Yeah, he, he, he was rubbish there. there. And that's why people were angry, which they shouldn't have been that, because it was one That's race. why people are angry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now moving back down the order, still in the Rebel family, um, to another driver who's making the difference, um, who I'm, you may have heard that I accidentally nearly spoke about too early, which is Pierre Gasly. Who qualified six, finished seven. You did, you and... did talk about him too early. <laughs> no, let's not, let's, not, let's not go on about that. Um, well, I think he had a great race. And we can talk about um, how much he is outshining Sonoda um, in a bit, I think. Um, because so now I think talk. Because about Sonoda what? had his third qualifying crash in 20 of seven races. Um, he's not really had a clean weekend since really testing in the first weekend, frankly. And Gasly's proving that he's, you know, he's he's on the knocking on the door of that elite level of driver. Would you say? Hmm. I think with with Sonoda, it kind of it feels a bit like um, Albon last year, where it's like there's all you're kind of waiting for the perfect weekend. There, there's always something that comes up. Um, I think at one point in one of the many group chats we have with us in Nigel personally like how are people crashing here <laughs> people finding the walls at Paul Ricard yeah um but if on so no yeah Gasly again he's it's kind of, it's not a story anymore it's not kind of out of the ordinary when he provides these drives and he sounds yeah yeah he's, he's very sound he um it's very fit. I can't remember if he got jumped at the pits or whether uh, I think he might have jumped uh, maybe the Ferraris, but yeah, he again, he's he's bringing home mega points. He's showing that he is a really strong midfield driver in, you know, the Alpha Tauri. That yeah, I think it does it does suit him. But equally, you know, you look at where his teammate is, and he's still having to put, he's still having to kind of make up a lot of that, a lot of that gap because the McLaren is a faster car, and you know the Ferrari seems to be at more tracks yeah, but- too. Um, so yeah, and yeah, again, it just feels like a travesty that he hasn't got kind of a seat for next season, and that there's kind of still question marks over whether he'll be in F1 next year because he should absolutely be, and there should be a queue of teams lining up to have him. I think Gasly, the last three weekends, Monaco, Azerbaijan, and now France, he's been excellent, and he's making up for uh, missed missed opportunities in the first two Grand Prix because in Bahrain yeah. he had that tangle with Ricardo potential big points lost there and then in Imola they started on the wet so they should, should have used Inters he could have had big points there so he's kind of made up for that with his podium with his great driving especially in the race I think his tyre management has really really improved uh, he, he's one of the not not the best but he's definitely right up there now in terms of uh, getting the most out of his tyres so he, yeah he, he's standing out once again and I just hope he can, can, he can continue it because it's fantastic to see. And I think Alpha Tauri are now fifth in the constructors' standings, which is a bit of a surprise considering how bad Sonoda, Sonoda has been and uh, Alpha Tauri's not so great start to the season. I think it says a lot about Aston and Alpine, which are both yeah. uh, way off where them or their um, father teams were last season. Mm. It does. And it, it says a lot about just how a cool head Gasly's developed in the past two years in Formula One after his um, ousting from Red Bull. It's, you know, it's a story that's been told a lot, but he's, if Perez wasn't doing what Perez is doing, Gasly would be surely creating a bit of a headache for that Red Bull seat once again, which is something Kvyat could never do. And that's mad for, for Gasly to be able to, to do that. And I think, you know, Fantastic job. Um, rounding up. Just, I was just going to say, just finishing off that, it did kind of feel like coming into the season, there were question marks over where Gasly would be. And he kind of, it felt like Fiat had levelled up um, with him in the running at the end of last season, or maybe Gasly had dropped off 
a bit from where he'd been kind of earlier in the season and when he took his win. And then obviously Bahrain happened and that piled maybe more pressure on him. But since then, he has just, like you said, Freddie, yeah. over the last few races, he's been flawless or maybe Nigel. So, Nigel. yeah, just want to add that. Nigel has been flawless over the past few races, it's true. Um, <laughs> rounding out the points were Alpine and Aston Martin. Yeah, Alonso in eighth, who was a second off Gasly, actually. Um, Alonso's had a cracking weekend, I think. Um, I think it's safe to say. I think he's been the better Alpine driver for probably the first time this year. Um, maybe he was, he was oh, uh, and in Baku, he was good, but um, he benefited a bit more from circumstance there. But he's definitely been the better Alpine driver. And that's good from Alonso. That's what we want to see from him. We want to see him haranguing Gasly and Ricardo to the flag, which is what he did. And, um, and, Adam didn't like that. Adam didn't like that at all. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that. I just found it funny. I just this image of him like leaning out of his cockpit and shaking his fist at them, <laughs> driving Ooh, in the last of the, the, the race. Get out the way. Yeah, that's <laughs> what he was that doing. For... He's got that's a lot a of emotion. Fernando Alonso thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could see him doing that. But well, yeah, it was, it was great, yeah, and it didn't look good early on. I think he was going backwards on the medium mm. tire. It would have been, but then on the hard tires. A bit like Portimao, he, he came back through in the second half of the mm. race. So, great drive. And it's a good thing Ocon has signed his contract for another few years because if, if he performs like that, then, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he should be worried. But luckily, he mm. has renewed his contract. Yeah, well, I think just kind of, if, if he can perform like that and Ocon can get back up to the level he's been for a lot of the season, I think Alpine could have a very strong driver lineup, and that could prove the difference between in their battle with yeah, Aston Martin. People want the Alpine, ju- Alpa- Alpine juniors in the car, don't they? Nigel, that's different. People like them, but they also like these guys, but they don't want these the juniors to be left out. Um, yeah, but they're not good enough. No, 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 no. Let's talk about this for Austria anyway. because I feel <laughs> I've got I've got a fair bit to say on this as well. It sounds like Nigel does too. Um, but yeah, I think it, it looks like um, Aston and then maybe um, AlphaTauri. Too many A teams will be their main competitors this year. So if Five they fifth. can kind of combine um, Ocon and Ocon's performance over kind of a bit earlier in the season and Alonso's performance today then or over the last couple of races then they will should be out that could be I think the difference there um it was was just a nice sorry it was just a nice weekend for Alonso it's like positive it's like ah it's Alonso he's doing well and he's like happy and he got a good result and it's like it's just positive it's nice to see Alonso doing well it is it very much is because the storyline has been a bit wow Ocon out of nowhere, which is a bit of a shame for Alonso. Um, but yeah, moving swiftly on, we've got a lot, we've got to kind of raffle through things now. Um, Aston Martin had a very good strategy once again, um, particularly for Stroll, who's coming from 19th, both started on the hard tyres, went very long, very, very long. and um, Too long. <laughs> and got the points. They probably did go a few laps too long, and they probably could have closed up on um, Alonso, Gasly and Ricardo if they'd gone, because uh, Vettel was, what, two seconds off? Or something at the end from that that, that three was it? Yeah, I think so. Um, maybe two and a half. But like, if they had gone, if they had pitted Vettel a lap or two earlier, he probably could have been on the back of them and in even higher points. But that's yeah. Aston Martin made a alternative one stop, pay dividends with a double points finish, and I think that's their second double points of the season. I'm not sure. Um, their second, yeah. Um, so yeah, but that's good double points. From when you're starting, I don't know what, wherever they start, like 13th and 19th, um, or 12th and 19th, yeah, for Aston that. Martin. So, good recovery from them. Um, science we've spoken about in 11th, but 12th place is George Russell, who yeah. has single handedly promoted Williams to ninth in the Constructors' Championship yeah. by already, um, surpassing Hass's 13th and 14th places at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Well done, George. And that was 12th with full finishers yeah. as well. That's just, it's kind great of point. Like the asterisk is important. Um, it is. Great point, but not actually any points for George because he <laughs> has a great race and it's the one race that no one in front of him retires. So, Tenth race ever where no one has retired. Yeah, and one. he picks it to be the one that he was just two points, two places away from the points finish. But yeah, no, a fantastic point on that um and just uh quickly because you mentioned vessel i'll just make this quick but it's great he seems to you know be mentioned confidence after baku and that is just growing again so 
it's only two races and we'll see again at Austria whether that continues. Monaco but, and, and Monaco. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, it does it does seem to be building and hopefully fingers crossed for him, because that's two world champions that have kind of happy not had the best start <laughs> yeah. for the season, but now they're happy and that's nice. It is nice. Oh, there was um there was a nice um photo that did the rounds that was Vettel had brought his Alonso helmets that he'd done in trades with Alonso to the circuit to get signed by Alonso and oh. he brought them with him from presumably from Germany to the track to get Alonso to sign them and there was a picture of them signing stuff which is quite sweet it's very probably happy when they when they're in a title fight they probably, could, probably wasn't on <laughs> yeah. the cast to that do that that didn't happen after 2012 Brazil did it <laughs> <laughs> 2010 Abu Dhabi. Alonso got yeah. really drunk and, and drew a, a tattoo stamp on the back of Vettel's back, and that's still there to this day. Um, in my fan fiction, it, Formula I, One. I world. hope we get to see <laughs> them. <laughs> I hope we get to see them having an on-track battle because we've not had it so far between Vettel and Alonso. So some wheel-to-wheel action between them soon would be fantastic for the sport. I think. I'm thinking back to that Silverstone battle they had. Yes, oh, that was one of the best battles brilliant. in, in so the server. If we could start to, have, start to have some of that action, that'd be great. Hombre a hombre, mano a mano. Yeah. But yeah, Russell. Just Mexican uh, standoff type language. Sorry, Russell. Yeah, I was just saying, Russell, outstanding. Sorry, Russell. I, think, I think that was. I mean, I probably rated him too low in the article thing I did because I think it's probably his best race he's ever had. Williams, it was. It was you fun. gave him a three. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll check what it out to see him? what score I did. I gave him an eight. I should have probably gave him a, a bit higher. I think, but it was brilliant. Like, like you said, one. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> there were no retirements, and he didn't even get the best of starts either because he fell behind Latifi. But then yeah. he came back through. I think he started on the mediums, then went to the hards, which was the opposite of what some other drivers were doing. And he made it work. So it was absolutely fantastic driving. The perfect time to do it as well, because at this time of the year, everyone's talking about next year, whether he'll be driving for Mercedes or, or, or whatever. So a brilliant performance from, from Russell. Well, he wants to get his, 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 hopefully Mercedes, contract sorted by the British Grand Prix, which is in under four weeks now so george keep keep it up you've got two austrian races to to do that again and i think we'd all very much like him to do that again because nah. nigel and i really want him to do that again <laughs> um and no, go you on could, george do it you could well be do, pick it a crazy race do that but at like a race where five people retire from the top 10 and then get your point be seven <laughs> be smart yeah. be like perez race smart not hard. Or both. Very smart, like... not hard. I like that. Yeah. That's what Paris says before he goes to sleep every night. <laughs> says it to himself, very smart, not hard. Then he's, then he's out, he's out for the count. Then he starts snoring immediately. <laughs> it's insane how he does this. Um, we should also just do a quick rundown. Ocon 14th. Huh. Um, do you have a noise for Ocon as a result? Do you think, I think, huh. what do you guys think? Thumbs I'll down. Thumbs down. Yeah. Good, good noise. It felt like Alpine were kind of running um, extra positive in uh, practice because of their home race, and then it kind of yeah. fell off a bit, <laughs> yeah. especially for Ocon. Um, yeah, do a low fuel so run. Quick. Don't work on the yeah. setup. Do a low fuel run. We'll be in the top five. Wow. <laughs> we're French. Oh, wow. It's blue. Um, you can't see us in the track. Um, but yes, uh, we're going to have a quick pessimism stakes. 15th, Giovinazzi. 17th, Raikkonen. Another noise. I, I feel Not like this... Yeah, I thought they were going to do better. I think off off practice, I thought they might be kind of in the running for again another points finish. But Aston kind of stole stole that particular thunder. But this is why we have the pessimism takes because we wouldn't talk about them otherwise. So you know, it's it's doing its job. Probably one of their worst weekends, actually. Thinking about it, ever. Ever. Well, this year. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it could be ever, could be, but I don't know what did what they were doing. What 60 50 years ago? <laughs> oh, Sabre weren't a team then. Um, oh. <laughs> but yeah, Afro um, might have been though. Afro Mayo were, they won the first Formula yeah. World Championship, so they, they were doing all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Latifi 18th, <sighs> not very good, really. Actually, looking at where Russell is, that's really not very good. 
Yeah, I feel like uh, Latifi might have to be the pessimism stakes um, feature next year. Uh, it feels like perennially... <laughs> when he's not on the grid. <laughs> it just feels like perennially we have nothing to say about him. And that continues again today. Haas. Haas. Yeah. Mick Schumacher. Q2. Then he crashed. They need but, to yeah. change that rule. You can't have drivers who cause a red flag going into the next quality session. So what do you want yes, to do? Like shoot them? Yes, you can, because he did a fast enough lap time. <laughs> Add an extra two minutes or delete the fastest time. Put claymores around the edge of the... Add, add an extra track. two minutes to the session, sorry, not the lap time. <laughs> that would definitely cause a red flag. Put claymores around the track, everyone will cause a red flag. It's like, ha, you shouldn't have been in the race to get to Q2. Yeah, Mick then Schumacher, what? Q2, very good. Um, but 19th and 20th for Schumacher and Mazepin. More stirring in the pot between the Schumacher-Mazepin hatred storyline which I think we can definitely touch on in our next episode. Mm. But um, with Mazepin throwing it up the inside of Schumacher for no reason again, and Schumacher still beating him. Quite fun. Next episode, I would also like to touch on uh, the Q3 or qualifying red flag stuff, because I feel like we could go have more of a discussion around that. Yes, we Um, can. There is is time now. There is a lot to look forward to in the next episode. I'm sure you've, you've enjoyed this Paul Ricard review, but the key point here is check out the next episode. We're going to have a steering Grand Prix preview episode. Adam is writing a quiz for it, I think, or Nigel is. Someone's writing Mate, a quiz for I'm it. Not. Nigel's writing a quiz <laughs> for it. And Adam and I are going to ask, answer questions about it. Um, and then we're going to talk about what we just said we're going to talk yeah. about. I bet you can't wait. It's going to be argue. amazing. Yeah, Adam's going to hit Nigel. Um, all right, <laughs> through the screen. So we hope you enjoyed that. We certainly did. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Delete is appropriate. Please take care of yourselves, everybody, and see you next time on the Winging It F1 podcast. Goodbye. Bye.